Hello, and welcome to Randy in Real Life. Today's episode is called A Call to Go Backwards, and this is part one. This is a series of articles that I'm actually writing. You can find them on my website at randygudo.com. They're not real long, and that's why I'm doing uh, them in a series. Doing this, um, making an episode also of them for my podcast is going to allow me to go into a little bit more detail. So for those who are reading the post and are feeling encouraged by them or really enjoy them can come here and get some more details. If you're listening and you're like, well, I want to be able to, to read what you wrote, then you can go check it out at randygudo.com. It's on my front page or just go to uh, the blog section. Now right off the bat, when people hear this, it can sound so um, counterintuitive, right? It just sounds odd. What do you mean go backwards? Uh, you know, I, I think of two different things off the bat, and I did not share this in the article, but I remember um, an article that William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, wrote uh, a long time ago, of course, maybe in the 1800s, late 1800s, and the article was called, You're Going Too Fast, and it's a very intense writing because he was being criticized because of the work they were doing and how intense they were and how demanding he was. I think about another uh, story that I heard when I was 21 years old about Lester Sumrall, who was just a powerful man of God, and I have got to sit under one service that he he preached, and he was very old at the time. He'd actually passed away a couple months after I got to actually hear him preach live. It was so just a wonderful experience, and I heard a story that he never wanted to go backwards, back up, reverse anything. And a pastor that I know was driving him um, to where they were going to eat a meal after a service that he'd preached. And my friend was actually pastoring a church, and he had preached at his church. And so he was driving him to the place where they were going to eat. And my friend was looking for the address, and he passed up the house where they were going. So he stopped, put it in reverse, and Lester Sumrall reached over and put his hand on his and says, Stop. What are you doing? He says, well, the house is just a couple houses back. I just passed it up. And he, Lester Summerall said to him, I never go backwards. Take the block. <laughs> and so, of course, he did. He had to go around the block just because Lester Summerall was adamant. So when I was even getting ready to write this series, and I felt my heart was there, and I, um, I was even challenged myself to even put anything on paper that sounds this way. But when, when you hear the direction I'm going, it's going to make sense. You know, because, you know, for me, everything in my life, I feel like it's been just high intensity or some of you the same way. And I, I'm, I can definitely be so over the top. Um, I'm very extremely high octane. Uh, like, really, like it can be a problem sometimes. I'm on the road, I'm driving. And, you know, I've even thought before when we moved back, we moved to New Orleans from New York City. And after being in New York City for a few years, uh, I thought I was going to have to go get a cabin somewhere and just take a week alone with the Lord and say, Lord, please help me, deliver me from my driving habits, because I was just so intense, you know, have to get, can't get there fast enough. There are times where, back in the day, when I would be on the interstate, and I just, I didn't want to be passed up. Some of you are listening right now, please don't judge me. And some of you who are, you're, you're like me and you're like, I, I understand you. I get you. Some of you are listening like, you're that person on the interstate. I can't stand you. <laughs> so where <clears throat> there are times where 
I just didn't want to be passed up. So I'd pass different people and I would even take an exit so I can, in my mind, I just won the race. And when I'm exiting my couple of my kids would be like, daddy, I know what you're doing. And, uh, anyway, my poor wife. So everything is just so high intensity passion. I'm a driven person. And when I became a Christian and, you know, and I don't know, it just felt radical, right? I'm reading my Bible and I'm reading the book of Acts and I'm even reading about Jesus. And this was the wildest adventure. I was so excited to be a part of this. Uh, I mean, wow, this is real. He's the son of God for real. He died on a cross for real. He was raised from the dead and he's coming back soon. Seriously. And he actually told us something we're supposed to do. And so when my pastors or a youth pastor, or a special speaker, it wouldn't matter who it was, would share anything that was like exciting and pa- I would latch on to that thing. And, and, and even a person being competitive by nature, I, I laughed. I wrote in my blog post that I've never lost a game of Monopoly if I'm the banker. I've never lost a game of blackjack if I'm the dealer. I've never lost a game of slaps. Uh, that's where, you know, you put somebody's hands on yours and you got to slap them before they move it except to my uncle Alan, cause he taught me to play the game. And, and that's very true. I've never lost the game except to my uncle Alan when I was young. And I love this. I wrote, <laughs> I did write this. I've snatched far too many hearts out of the chest of men in violent games of ping pong while I was sitting in a chair. And that's true. I love playing ping pong. I like playing people if they'll let me sit in a chair so that, that because of that, that driven nature that I have that, I've also found in a lot of pastors that I've served under, and I don't know why, but it seems like that there are a lot of driven people that are in ministry, not all the time, but it seems like the, the, the people I've been around and that I've served under are, and I don't, I do not think that's a bad thing. You look at the apostle Paul, you look at the apostle Peter and the apostle John, these were men that were also driven with a passion and it's not about that drive and that passion. I think the most important thing is the level of brokenness. And I've definitely walked through some serious brokenness in my life. When I was a young youth pastor, I was, um, we had these, this football game. I definitely didn't, I don't think I wrote about this. Um, but I was so super competitive in my early to mid twenties that a friend was actually over Marcus and, he was an associate pastor about half an hour away. And um, so where it would, it wasn't just winning, but we had to, I had to win in remarkable fashion with full onslaught of mockery and, and, and just, you know, sarcasm. And I didn't think anything about it. And, but we were winning and like, we'd kick the ball off to the opposing team and which is my youth group and my youth leaders some of the guys are, you know, close to my age or older. And then of course the teenagers. And, and when we'd kick it off, we were, we were beating them so bad that instead of running down there to make the tackle or whatever, we I had everybody just get on the ground and we started crawling <laughs> towards the end of the field. And, you know, people would quit, they'd get mad. And my friend Marcus pulls me aside and said, look, and, and he's a competitive man too. Again, very driven. But I remember he told me we're both young. He said, Look, this this may hurt you. Uh, y- you know, you got you can't you got to just watch your personality, your per- the way you're driven, the way God's designed you. 
um, people can get the wrong impression of you. He was trying to warn me about that, that competitiveness that I go have a fun game, but then, you know, I've just humiliated these people. Then I want to tell them how to serve Jesus. And, and I'll tell you this, that brokenness has been one of my best friends that I hate (laughs) in life when it comes to just growing in Christ. And I don't want to just say in ministry, but I'm just talking, look, growing as a believer, growing as a Christian, brokenness is very important. And the men that I know that have been really used by God, and I'm saying men, but men and women who've been used by God to do tremendous things are tend to be people who've also been very broken. And if they're not, I'll tell you this, I would not want to serve under a man of God who's not been broken. Brokenness is so important. Now I'm getting ahead of myself right now. Uh, that's this is going to actually come a little later, but just so you know that you're hearing it, I will be talking about that. It's going to be really, really important. I remember being young and just serving God, and I could not read my Bible enough. Any of you like that? And it it was really I'd read the Bible and look if I got in the Book of Acts, it was really or just the Gospels, it was like pouring gasoline on a fire that was already absolutely out of control. I did not need somebody to provoke me. I was just provoked, not to be seen or whatever. I did not have this ministry paradigm. This I didn't have this mindset that I didn't have a stage mindset. It was just, this is what Christians do. We're radical, we're bold, we're passionate about the things of God. And um, there were times too where I was young, just serving God, and I was just I would want to be so sold out to God, so radical. And I I didn't even understand enough about myself, God. I, I didn't know really anything about the Bible. So I was so young and raw. If someone hinted something, I would take that as gospel truth and add that to this is what we need to do. I remember being young and just 17 years old and me and my friend Conrad were like, we got to be radical and we shouldn't listen to any secular music. So we grabbed all of our, at the time, cassette tapes you know, get the Metallica Black Album and, um, you know, <laughs> any music we could find. I think it was Black. It might have been Justice for All. We grabbed all of our music, and we, I'm a city boy, and I didn't know how to make a fire, but we finally somehow got a little fire lit, and we're just burning all of our music because, why? Because we're just going to burn it. You know, it's the devil's music. You know, we're going to only listen to Jesus music. And until, you know, a few weeks later, I go back out and buy my favorite album again or get another Pearl Jam album and, then feel con- condemned, and so I'd burn it again. Then turn around the next week and go buy it again. <laughs> it's this cycle back and forth, you know, over and over and over. But I was so innocent. I mean, my approach to the things was really simplistic, but I was wild. And there was a freedom I found when I was preaching on the streets. There was a freedom I found sharing the gospel. There's a freedom I found in Christianity. It was just wide open. It's like going out to the Wild West, this open terrain. And there were enemies out there, though, that I didn't know existed. You know, there were some Indians out there that were wanting to scout me, and I, and I didn't know it. But I was also so super grateful. So everything was just kind of mixed. This is so important. I had there. I felt so much gratitude in my heart for who God was and what he'd done in my life. I was very young when I came to the Lord, so I did not have this major backlog of deep darkness and sinful, prodigal living. I didn't really have that. I just loved God, but I was still so grateful. And I remember feeling so small and so insignificant, really helpless. Like, how could God use me? What I have, I have nothing to offer him. 
I'm nobody. And again, we didn't have a lot of large youth ministries. There weren't very many large churches. And I didn't think, remember, I didn't think in the terms of a big church or some big ministry. It was just, I didn't think that way. It was just serving God, but I just didn't know how could he use me. So there were things I was out there doing for the Lord. I remember one night telling a friend, I wonder if it's possible to tell a hundred people about Jesus in one night. Uh, I was actually 21. So I'd been, I was a newlywed and Becky was visiting her family. So I grabbed my buddy Shane and we went out to the streets and I said, I just want you to be with me. You don't have to talk. Just be with me and help me count people. I just want to know. And it wasn't because I was trying to be competitive or say, oh, I preached to 100 people. I wanted to know, is it possible for us as believers to even do more? And and so I think it was one hour, less than an hour, where I just shared the gospel with 100 people. We I went to Sonic, and there's about 20 people out there, and told all of them about Jesus. And we rode over to a parking lot, told like, you know, about another 20 or 25 people about Jesus. Went to another parking lot, and went to Bowling Alley. Sure enough, in less than it didn't take long at all. Wasn't trying to get people to pray a prayer. Wasn't trying to get people to come to Christ. I just wanted them to hear the gospel message. Just again, just passion, and and so I was so grateful. But I remember feeling so insignificant, not even realized realizing that the Lord was using me. And I'm saying that because there's some of you maybe who are listening that you feel so insignificant, while yet you're doing tremendous things for God. And what is significant for God? I think of the scripture, and I'm like I'm going to give you the reference right now, where God's like saying, "Look, the sacrifices for me are broken and contrite spirit." That's what He's looking for. He's not looking for somebody who's saying, "I can do all these things to you." The, the wonderful thing about God is we come to Him and we come to Him with nothing. What, what do you have in your life that God didn't give you? Do you have a speaking ability? I didn't even know I had a speaking ability. I didn't know I was a, uh, that I could communicate. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know any of these things, but you know, what do you have that God didn't give you? You come to him, we come to him with nothing. And the only gifts we have are that God, I'm going to offer you my gift. He gave you that gift. He put that inside of you. So there's a sense of gratitude. God, I'm so grateful for who you are. How could you use me? Remember Becky and I were newlyweds and we had this Ron Cannoli album. And I said, let's just seek the Lord. And we'd been married a few months and Turned the lights low, and she went to a corner of the living room. I went to another little corner in our little bitty house we were renting. We were 20 years old at the time, actually. And and the song was uh, that I remember from Ron Cannoli is, If You Can Use Anything. And in that song, he's saying, Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Take my life, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And that was the cry of my heart, God, if you can, you can use me. So I know a lot of people that are that way. And then somehow, though, with all of our passion, all of our zeal, and all of our, hey, how about this word right here? Innocence. Oh, my goodness, I was so innocent. Went right into the ministry. Innocent. Innocent. Look, if you're a pastor, or a preacher, an evangelist, a teacher, I didn't, it doesn't matter. Anything, any spokesperson for the Lord, I just assumed you were like probably just like Jesus in the sense of just so perfect. And so I had this, this perception up here in, in being innocent and naive, not understand that we're all broken people, we're all flawed, and we all are in desperate need of a Savior, and that He is working on us, as the Scripture says, both to will and to do of His good pleasure, that this is a process. Our, when we're born again, it's an immediate death-to-life experience. Your spirit cannot get any more born again 
cannot get any more pure and holy, but your soul, that there is a process that you're going to walk through in your life. And again, I know so many people who start out this way, but when I look across the field and the landscape of the church right now, I look at people and I feel like so many people have gone backwards in their walk with God and they want to get better. And the way to get better is to go backwards, but not to go backwards like they have been. There's another way to go backwards. And I feel like there is a call right now for us to go backwards because our country and the body of Christ needs some men and women of God in this hour like never before. And the sad thing is that there are too few people who are ready. We're in the most critical time right now. We cannot overstate that as a nation, as a country. When we look at our government, we look at the world that we live in. We look at the culture that we are, that we are living in. And we are in desperate need of some men and women of God right now who can step up to the plate. And there aren't that many that are ready. The battle lines have already been drawn. Look, there is already an engagement from the enemy right now. And so it is, it is expedient I don't know if that's the right word. It is so super necessary for us yesterday to begin to prepare ourselves. I heard this quote. It's attributed to Smith Wigglesworth where he said this, that if he was not closer to Jesus today than he was yesterday, he considers himself to be backslidden. And that's something we can hear that, and a lot of people can size themselves up. And, and look, you can get so jaded so comfortably numb that you don't even feel that anymore. You don't even, you, don't even, you can hear a quote like that and it doesn't phase you. It's almost like the ember is almost completely gone. That's what the series, the series is designed for you. I want to get to that, that place that God's called me to be. How do I get there? How do I get out of this funk that I'm in? How do I get out of this, this rut? How do I break this complacency and this neutrality that is just my life? This, oh, even coldness. Some have shared with me that they feel like they're even beyond cold. There's just nothing there. Well, look, this series is for you. I want to encourage you. And our next episode, um, it's going to be part two of a call to go backwards. And I'm calling it, how did I get to this place? I'm going to share some of my story. I'm going to share some stories of other people that I know, not going to name anybody, that <clears throat> that has also walked through these things. If you're enjoying this series, if you feel like this can be an encouragement to you, and I'm purposely, with intent, keeping it short. We're not even 20 minutes in right now. Because I want you to be able to listen to it, share it, enjoy it, and and if you're not yet, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Hey, listen, if you enjoy this podcast, consider giving me a review on or give me a good rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to it. 
If you haven't yet, go check out our website at randygudo.com. You can find these blog series and some other things that I've written. I hope you guys have a great week. And I will be back uh, <clears throat> real soon with part two. How did I get to this place?